All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's continue on Tuesday afternoon. Jason Greger Show. Thanks for tuning in as always. We very much appreciate it. As you got some time off, maybe a little disappointed after the... Uh, Anticlimactic games last night. Now, before we get to uh, Rashog, quick little uh, trivia question for you right now. Text in your answer at uh, 10, 12, 60. Eagle Rock trivia up for grabs. You're going to tee it up at Eagle Rock, uh, where right now you can golf weekdays for only 50 bucks. Book your tee time at eaglerockgolf.com and be sure to get the Smokey when you're there. Best one at any turn in the city. Smoky at Eagle Rock, and uh, we'll have a little fun today. We always, you know what? We decided on Tuesdays, uh, based on the response, we're going to have uh, random questions, non-sports related. Because some of you really know, like, hey, I didn't know this one. I like to look up random stuff. Can you tell me what is a group of parrots called? A group of parrots. Text in the answer. With your name to ten twelve sixty. A group of parrots is called blank. And now we'll get to the shock report brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, heavy all transport provider. I can tell you right now, Daly and the boys, they do not know what a group of parrots are called. But they know everything else when it comes to trucking. NextGenTransportation.com. Ryan Rashog joins us. Shogger, do you know what a group of parrots are called? He's muted his phone again. That's that's what's happened here. This is uh I would assume it's just called a uh, flock, isn't it? It is not. So, oh. No. It's a flock of seagulls, I think, Shogger. But, yes. Yes, yes. Not, uh, the, it's not a flock of parrots. Have you ever said, hey, there goes a flock of parrots? 
Yes. But I can tell you what they're called. You've never said that either, nor have I. So, <laughs> we'll uh, uh, we'll see where it goes. Um, uh, hey, the uh, maybe the Dallas Stars just shouldn't have played Jamie Benn. Uh, all joking aside, they're zero and four when yeah. he played, and they were two and zero without him. But uh, man, last night it wasn't even close. Vegas dominated that game. Yeah, just an exclamation point, right? Um, you know, and it's interesting that that happened. It, it is interesting because. Dallas had mustered enough to really, truly get themselves back into that series in a meaningful way. And then all of a sudden, Vegas just, boom. I mean, they just absolutely dropped the hammer. So it's it's kind of funny, you know. It's, you can only imagine the ebbs and flows of confidence and can we do it, can't we do it. You know, it's never going to be, if you're trying to come back from down 3 nothing, it's never going to be smooth. There's no way it's going to be smooth. And uh, Vegas just sealed themselves, stepped on it, made it not even close. And, uh, yeah, now we got a cup final that uh, is interesting, man, really interesting. Who do you like? I think I like Florida because Florida just seems to have something going right now. They're, they just feel like they got a lot of things going well for them. They're that it team, surprising people. You know, I covered L.A. that one year. They steamrolled through after coming in as the bottom seed. Um, and it just it just feels like they got something going right now. There's a swagger with the group. They're rested. They're, you know, I, I, I probably would lean a little bit towards them. Um, but uh, I mean, listen, we we saw what Vegas is capable of. Um, but I think there's just a couple of things that you know between Kachuk and the way he's playing and and Bob and um, I probably lean Florida's way. You have you made a prediction on the show today? Yeah, I said I'm taking Vegas. Yar, hey, yeah, four on four it's, or five on five game, and I like their defense better. Um, yeah. That to me is being a big one. Yep. Like they lock it down, and hey, Aiden Hill's got some confidence. He doesn't have to be Bobrovsky because he doesn't get tested at all. But in the games he has, he's he's been pretty rock solid. Um, you know, I don't really buy much into the rest. Colorado, I mean, um, Colorado had eight days off between games last year, and then spent yep. Tampa Bay in games one and two. So now, granted, Florida's not a juggernaut like Colorado was, but. I don't know. Vegas is just like, they're a good team. They've been a good team all year long. And, you know, hey, Florida's beat some good teams, but so is, so is Vegas. And Vegas managed to shut down McDavid and Drysaddle, uh, you know, pretty well in the last four games of that series. I think they're going to be able to find a way to contain Kachuk. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, hard to argue with that because of what uh, they did on, you know, only on Drysaddle, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. Like, you know, Kachuk last year, you, you have to wonder how much last year played into where his head is at this year. Like the disappointment of the way not only the Flames went out, but the way he went out last year. And uh, he seems to have found something different here. So, uh, yeah, can they shut him down? I guess I guess we'll see. But they got other guys going, too. Like, I, I like the physical style that uh, Florida can bring, although Vegas has the ability to, to match that in a number of ways. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. That's yeah, going to be fun. Um, are you going to the Stanley Cup? No. No. Nope. Next, up for me, next up for me is the draft. Yeah. 
Uh, we started our draft coverage today because it's been kind of quiet, but, uh, you know, yeah, going to do a little starting up with uh, Chris Peters. Um, the other thing, I, I wrote an article at OilersNation.com. People can follow along there because, trust me, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of numbers to digest. I went through all the teams, and when you talk about top-heavy teams and contracts, and I looked okay. at teams, where do they rank with their top three AAVs, top five, and top seven? And it, there are there are moving parts across. At the end, when it comes to their top three, Edmonton was third. When it's top uh, seven, Edmonton was fifth, be- actually sixth, behind Florida, Dallas, New York, Toronto, and uh, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. And this is for next season, of course, projecting on where rosters are going to be. Mm-hmm. And-, and the thing was, hey, you want to win, you got to have good players, you got to pay them a lot of money. Right now, some teams like Toronto overpaid too many guys at the same position early, and I think it hurt them for a few years and how to fill out the rest of the roster. But there are a few things. Carolina, next year, Shogger, to start the season, and they got a lot of their guys under contract right now, although only for one year. It's crazy to think how few players they They only have four guys signed past this season that are key players right now in Carolina. It's nuts. But Carolina is 26th in salary amongst the other top seven. Pittsburgh is 24th. And then Seattle is 30th. And Seattle maybe doesn't surprise you with all kind of their cast-off guys. But outside of that, if you want to win, you're you're in the top 15, you're paying big bucks, and you and you have good players. So it's not a real surprise. But the, uh, the top seven, Tampa Bay has $60 million in seven players heading into to next season. Right now, and so they got. Now they're spread out: goaltending, defense, and forwards. They got two defensemen, a goalie, and four forwards. So it's you probably can't get a better split of how your roster is built. But I wonder if that's just too much because they're like they're they're eight million ahead of Edmonton, right? Like that's two two you know quality four million dollar players. Hmm. So if you were to like, what's your grand summation of it, though? I mean, you got to pay your good players. You got to, you got, you have to pay your best players. And if you've done you a do, good job, and I, I think the the myth, you know, what people say, oh, they're too top heavy. You're only top heavy if I can think if you're top heavy when you have all your players at one position. Like Toronto had their top three all forwards. That's yeah. not ideal, right? Um, but even then, Toronto's a good regular season team. It's more so the teams like now age is a factor for some of these teams, right? That's where Edmonton has a bit advantage. They don't have any real old guys. Ekholm is their oldest player. Yep. Right. Washington's at like think about it. Washington has eight hundred thousand dollars less than Edmonton when it comes to their top seven players. But look at the age of Oshie and Backstrom and Ovechkin. Yeah. Like John Carlson's the young guy, and he's and he's thirty three. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Huh. Well, I wonder if, I mean, like, I don't think the Oilers are in that top-heavy situation right now. I, 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 no, I, I don't wouldn't think they are. I to that theory at all, like that they're, they're too top-heavy and that's going to prevent them. Like they, they were able to put a good team, you know, and even a good bottom-six team out there. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, one of their defensemen is, you know, pretty high-paid in nurse, but you got McDavid and Drysaddle, but then your next guys are, you know, I mean, they're, they're pretty impactful guys that, I think where you get into trouble is where you have really high paid guys and when guys on that list that uh, are towards the tail end of it, like you say, and you're just trying to hang on to them or keep the band together. I mean, the guys the orders are paying are, are, are all in their prime and you know, pretty close to what their value is on the market like you know there's there are some overpays there and i think we all know where a lot of people feel that is but 
it just to me the numbers that their guys are getting make pretty good sense to me. And I think where you run into trouble is when they don't all. Oh, hundred um, percent. But it was like a team like Ottawa. I think is not a surprise when you just look at their team, but where they're at cap wise, they're built to be a pretty competitive team moving forward, right? They've got some defensemen, they've got some forwards. Now they don't have a goaltender. Well, they like their goalie, but he's not signed just yet, and I don't think he's going to command a huge amount of money by any yeah. stretch. But you know, like you look at Dallas in the final, Florida's in the final, Edmonton was an elite eight team. It still comes down to, you know, if you don't want to pay your guys like Carolina, that's why I don't think you can win in Carolina. Eventually, you've got to get some elite players, and you can't be shy to pay them. You just can't be all forwards is my only – the only thing I've deducted from that is too heavy in one position. It's not top-heavy. It's too reliant on one position with your cap can screw you. You think Carolina, though, like – and I know they've, you know, under – that owner, there's a certain way they've tried to do things, a certain standard they've tried to set. But like, I mean, they're gonna have to, like, they're gonna have to change that, aren't they? Like, you gotta pay Aho, don't you? I mean, you gotta, like, you can't. It's all well and good to kind of get yourself started that way and get going. But I mean, when you when you develop really good players and they're franchise players, like, you gotta pay these guys. I would think that 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 that'll change, won't it? There. You, well, you would think so, yes. But um, so far, Dundon's been rather hesitant to want to do it, mm-hmm. and I think it's and I think it's hurt him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vegas has just been like since coming into the league. Look what this team has done, and they're not afraid to. They, like the, the the narrative on Vegas, just how aggressive they are. Right? They're always in on everything, and they're always and not everything has worked or whatever, but. That's been an aggressive franchise from the beginning, and um, pretty impressive the number of times they've gotten to at least the Final Four and now to another Cup Final here. It's and they're aggressive and they're not afraid to pay people. And they're you know, I like the fact that a team that approaches things as aggressively as Vegas does has had the success that they've had. That's a good model for for other teams to kind of say, hey, you always got to be in the fight, put yourself in position to go for it. Put yourself in position to get better significantly by, you know, impact players. Don't be afraid. Um, and, and I like it. So, you know, I think it's uh, the, their owners wanted to be aggressive right from the start. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, four time now in the conference final, second time in six years are in the cup. And, I, and I, think, I think a little bit of the playoff scars might help them as well. Like a lot of their core guys are there. You know, Martinez is one, Petrangelo's one. You know, they got Stone and lots of guys who have lost in the final, lost in the conference finals. History tells us there's a little bit of an advantage there for those teams. Whether or not they do it remains to be seen. Shogger, scars, right? have yourself. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, you can learn from your scars. Good memories. Yep, for so. sure. Have a great night, buddy. You too. That's Ryan Shog from uh, TSN. And uh, did we get an answer to the uh, question? Yes, we did. Took a while. Many of you guessed flock. It's not a flock. This is probably one of my greatest ones because we like to have fun random trivia questions courtesy of Eagle Rock. A group of parrots is called pandemonium. <laughs> a pandemonium. It's totally useless random trivia. Like, when are you going to use that? I saw a pandemonium of parrots. But it's just, it's awesome. It's a great name. So there you want You want to stump your friends. There you go. A pandemonium of parrots. 
little trivia question for you. Uh, when we return, we'll get to uh, help me understand Kevin Woodley and more on the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Rolling through a little bit of a windy Tuesday all of a sudden. Welcome back to the Gregor Show and up to Sports Theater TSN 1260s. We'll get to the uh, playoff report brought to you by Tenacore. You're an industrial company or plant site. You need to replace aging equipment but are having a hard time finding or getting a quote. Well, go to tenacore.com and they will get you what you need when you need it. It's tenacore with two N's. Dot com as we welcome in uh, Kevin Woodley from Ingold Magazine and NHL.com. And so it's goalie Bob versus Aiden Hill. I want to start with Aiden Hill because I know that Vegas got good team defense in front of him, but Aiden Hill's playing like the best hockey of his life at the most important time and is obviously, I think, earning himself likely a new contract with Vegas next season. Yeah, like, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at the numbers, and actually I, I, I uh, had to do something locally uh, here earlier in the day. You know, I sort of got the question about each guy, and, you know, on the top of my head, I'm, I didn't have the numbers in front of me, didn't have the, the computer up, and it was more of a, you know, like, if anybody's going to seal a series out of this group, it's going to be Bob, and Aiden's going to be more about, you know, uh, how they play in front of him and whether they can can sort of insulate him and, you know, made the comparison to Colorado last year winning, uh, I wouldn't say despite goaltending, but clearly it wasn't one of the main reasons they won. And then I pull up the numbers and, holy crap, Aiden Hill's expected save percentage is almost identical to Bob's, and he's outperformed it by a more significant margin. Like, he has been really good. And it's, the interesting thing to me is, you know, and I've heard, uh, I think Jennifer Botterill's done a really nice job of talking about like how well he gets across and how well he's managing lateral plays. And we talk a lot about, you know, how, how those lateral plays, like that's the, the dangerous offense in today's game. That's what teams are trying to create. And comparing that to Bobrovsky and the fact that he also, like his ability to get across on these really tough east-west passes. And the thing that is different between the two of them and the thing that allows Aiden Hill to do it compared to Bob being you know, great rotation technique and just explosive power is where Aiden Hill starts on the ice. Um, You are very much seeing a guy who Vegas targeted because they thought he would fit with the teachings of Sean Burke, who's in his first year as their goalie coach. And if you watch where Aiden is on the ice, like it's, it's just such a conservative approach, especially when you contrast it to Bobrovsky. So um, if he's always in his crease, I mean, unless he goes, gets gets chasing a little bit and starts sliding and, and out of position, like on plays where he's reading the play and set and moving in a controlled manner, he is always in the blue and usually max two thirds, like up his crease. Usually more half, what we would call half depth, so halfway up the crease depth. And by playing within those within that framework, the amount of distance he has to cover to get across on those same chances, like I want somebody to. If I was working for a TV network right now, I would be making comparisons of those saves, and there have been a bunch of these playoffs on, on those those cross-seam, cross-ice passes where both guys have gotten across and made really good saves. But I'd compare the distance they have to travel, and I'm willing to bet that Aiden Hills, by the time you add, it's for, for every foot, foot and a half, we're outside of the crease on one side of the ice, whether it's above it or just outside it, you know, east-west to the side, that's an extra, like, two to three feet we have to get across to make that save on the other side. And I think there's a big difference in terms of styles for these two goaltenders. And at the end of the day, they're both able to make those difficult saves, but the reasons they do are very different. It's sort of that it's sort of just another example of there's no one way to do this position. And the other part here that I think gets lost 
and I, it's a spotlight I know he's not eager for because there was a reason for all these years he, he wasn't a goalie coach. Um, but you, you remember us hearing about Sean Burke as the goalie whisperer. Like that was, that was a tune that a lot of people uh, sang. And I know he wanted to be, you know, he's looking for more of a management job as opposed to being back on the ice as a day-to-day goalie coach. And here he is in his first year with a guy that not a lot of people would have, you know, um, tagged as a future Stanley Cup finalist. And despite using multiple goaltenders, he's got them there. So uh, as much as Sean maybe didn't want to be a full-time goalie coach, this is probably just going to cement uh, the fact that most people want him to be in that role because he's done a heck of a job again with Aiden Hill. And when you watch where he plays on the ice and the success it leads to, I think a lot of that ties to the philosophy that Sean Burke likes to teach and likes to coach. That's totally fair. Kevin Woodley joins us. So, Kevin... Like goalie Bob has been called upon to make bigger saves, no question. I, you know, I think Vegas has better team defense, and that's why I'm going with Vegas. But if you're Florida, what's the way to beat Aiden Hill? Well, I think one of the things you have to, you know, be be sort of cognizant of is, you know, and this ties into a lot of what I just talked about in terms of um, his his positioning. And, and where he is on the ice. For him, we normally think of those, those lateral plays, the closer to the net, low slot line below the hash marks. Like that's one of the biggest increases. You've heard me talk about this in the last five years in the NHL. Like that's how, why we have more offense. That's one of the areas that has increased the most. The biggest growth in offensive opportunities in production is from those low slot line plays. And the thing is, they kind of play right into Aiden Hill's strengths. And so his numbers are off the chart on lateral plays below the hash marks, and that's continued in the playoffs. That was prevalent right through the regular season frame. Where his numbers dip to well below expected are on east-west plays above the hash mark. So as much as the mentality and the temptation is to be closer to the net, to create plays closer to the net, and I do think you can get him scrambling at times uh, by attacking below the goal lines. Uh, if you're going east-west, say, off the rush or whatever, you're actually better to make those plays higher in the zone and put him into more of a reaction situation where even if, even though his depth allows him to beat those passes across and be set, make him react, make him be active with the hands. He's still been really good with it, but historically over the course of the season, that's where he struggled more than – in tight where you think you've got a bang, bang, backdoor play. And, and when you combine the short distance he has to travel with just sort of the length of his limbs, and it's not just height, it's the ability to sort of extend and seal with those leg pads the way he does. Um, you know, you, you have a tendency to turn what looks like a bang, bang, grade A, you know, chance into a momentum-changing save for Aiden Hill in the Vegas Golden Knights. So yeah, you heard me talk a little bit about this with Stuart Skinner earlier in the playoffs that, as much as you want to get in tight, that's where his strengths are and that you're better to sort of challenge him higher in the zone, uh, make plays, and hey, it's easier said than done at this time of year to get to the middle, but make plays into the high slot as opposed to always trying to funnel pucks down low. Um, at the very least, you're not playing to his strengths as much if you're tra- trying to create those types of chances. Kevin, will join us at Sports Theater TSN? 1260. What did you see as the struggles for Jake Ottinger in this series? Yeah, like it's really hard for me to look at that series and not think that there was an element of fatigue. And I know people think that I'm just, you know, it's a bit of a bailout on him, for him. Um, I, I do think, you know, and we talked about this going into the playoffs, 
Um, you know, nothing exposes you, and that's, that's not even a fair word to use, I guess. But, like, the playoffs really – teams really start to lock in on tendencies. They start to lock in on – again, we call them strengths and weaknesses, but they really should just be relative weaknesses. Like, these are the best in the world. It goes back to the conversation we had about Andre Vasilevsky in the first round of the playoffs. Like, is he bad on screens and tips? No, he's not bad. Um, but he's not as good at them as he as he is on pretty much every other type of scoring chance. And so teams target it, teams go after it, and inevitably, inevitably we see goals going in that way on Andre Vasilevsky. I think there are things that for the first time, there are elements in Jake's game that I thought Calgary did a poor job of attacking last year. As brilliant as he was in that first-round series, um, they didn't extend him and stretch him out on laterals. Uh, that lack of rotation into the post, uh, the exposure that comes on the short side of the net, if you can make that pass to the outside bottom edge of the circle as opposed to, you know, in the edges of the slot where, you know, he, he cuts plays off. But if you draw him out lengthwise, like there's short side exposure there. I, saw, I think we saw teams try and generate that. But most of all, I just, you know, there were some goals in there that you wouldn't expect to go in on him over the course of these series. There were some tough breaks, pucks off sticks and things like that. But it just looked at times like even even when they won game five, uh, and it was a backdoor in tight play, low high backdoor. A lot of people just looked at it as a tap in. But I looked at his post play and the way he sat in the reverse and had no engagement, no activation with the inside edge, and no push across on it on a play that again, yeah, hey, low slot line play, high quality scoring chance. But the way he reacted to it or, frankly, the way he didn't react to it and the way he wasn't loaded, like, it just screams fatigue to me, Jason. Like, you know, one of those things where you're actually looking at the technical elements of a guy who's pretty good technically, and you're like, that's just not there. Like, he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's actually resting. There's a point where he's actually resting on his post rather than being engaged. And I think we look at fatigue as physical, um, but when we ask these goalies to do things they'd never done before, like he'd never played that much before in that period of time, and now you're asking him to do it on that stage, I think the mental fatigue can be as much as anything. And he showed his mental strength by bouncing back from some of those nights, um, but the inconsistency that we saw from night to night as the playoffs wore on, like, you know, again, people say it's just a cop-out for me, um, but I've, I've already talked about the issues I see not even issues, the relative strengths and weaknesses of his game and been quite open about it. Overall, it's hard for me not to think that that fatigue played a large role in this. As much as none of them will ever want to admit it, there were just enough signs there. So when you talk to goalie coaches and stuff in the summer, is that something like, will teams start pressing more to say, guys, we got to get a backup and we got to trust that in a seven-game series we can play in one game? Well, this is the interesting thing here. Maybe the conversation does shift. Jason, I mean, certainly it shifted, you know, as we're talking, right? Like, like the, the mantra was, you know, like we got to get the starts down to like 50, 55 in the regular season so that they have energy left for the playoffs. But now what are we talking about? We're talking about Linus Allmark, who never started that many games in a row in the regular season to try and keep his number down and keep him fresh, but we expect him to do it in the playoffs. Is that fair? I don't pretend to have answers here. But I agree with you, it's a conversation that probably starts to happen. Like, hey, we're arresting this guy, he's not playing that much, but if he hasn't played seven games in 14 days, which is what a seven-game series typically is, especially in the first two rounds, can we fairly expect him to stay sharp mentally and physically? Maybe maybe for seven and 14 you can, but can we for 
14 and 28, if that's what two rounds looks like, and you go to seven games in two rounds. Um, do we see diminishing returns as those games pile up, whether it's mentally or physically, to the point where, hey, yeah, our number one guy hasn't done this all year. Now we put him in this situation and he's at 80%. Would we be better off giving the other guy a night because we can get our guy back to 100%. I think there are times maybe when teams had leads in series as much as nobody wants to create that bulletin board material yeah. where maybe a decision like that early in a playoff might benefit you as it goes on. And those are conversations I think I think at least some progressive goalie coaches are going to start to have around the league. Whether it goes anywhere or not, we'll see. But at least it's a talking point that, frankly, I don't think was there before. Because everything before was, hey, let's limit their starts so they're fresh in the playoffs. There's a flip side to that. It's can they make it all the way through? Yeah. Well, and I get that it's a tough decision, don't me. You're the. It's easy for me to ask it because I'm not the one whose job potentially is on the line. And your players like, what do you mean you're going to that guy? Like, I, I think like Swayman and Allmark were unique because you had two guys who had great numbers all year long. Lots of guys. There's a big drop off even numbers wise from their backup to their starter. So I can see why. You know, there's no situation that's always going to be the same, but it would be interesting to see. It's easy it for change. me to say, right? I always advocate for it. Like, I'm always talking about tandems and all that stuff. It's really easy for me to say that. I'm not going with my job on the line. Look what happened in Mini. I still think it was the right decision to go to Marc-Andre Fleury. His numbers were fantastic. He did not have a good game two. But I think the fact they did it was why they got a better Gustafson in game three. And, I, and again, I'm not sure. Ottinger balanced out, and he, and he got his legs under him. But I'm still not sure double OT in the first game of the playoffs wasn't something that affected him all the way through from that point on. Kev, great stuff, buddy. We'll chat with you next week. Have a good one. Awesome. Can't wait. We'll have, uh, we'll have at least one game under our belts from the Stanley Cup Finals before we chat, and I look forward to breaking it down. All right, there's Kevin Woodley from Ingle Magazine at NHL.com. That's the uh, playoff report brought to you by Tenacor. Go to Tenacor.com for all fire hydrants, custom fabricated items, pumps and hoses, and more. We'll come back, wrap things up in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. That's it. Also, you can text us, 101260, email us in our Jiffy Lube inbox, Jay Gregor, tsn1260.ca. Do you know when you get an oil change right now, Jiffy Lube? I'll give you a $20 gift card. You to choose the local business you want, like a 100 different ones to support, courtesy right now at Jiffy Lube. The uh, oil report, we talked about it earlier. We'll talk about it again. Brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton, Canada's number one Volvo dealership in sales. Why? Because they have great Sale, but more importantly, unbelievable service. People keep coming back over and over again at Edmonton, at VolvoEdmonton.com. The uh, oil report, talk about, you can read the article at OrdersNation.com. You kind of want to see how do the orders compare to other teams? Because you get a lot of questions all the time. The orders are, yeah, they're paying too much nurses, screwing them over salary-wise. But he's not. Okay, there's lots of numbers or data numbers. If you look, if you want to say he's a million dollars overpaid, sure, okay. He's a million dollars overpaid. That's not screwing the orders cap. Okay, because most would say that dry settles three million underpaid. So it happens, right? Lots of guys will have a yeah, you know, perfect world eight million, eight point whatever. But if you go compare the orders to teams competing, the orders are you know they're right in the window of competitiveness. They're right there, and when you look at it, it's not a it's not a big problem. The orders cap wise, they're actually pretty good. There's there's not a lot of reasons to be uh, to be super concerned about uh, the orders cap wise now or moving forward. It's not. So check it out orderznation.com and you can see where they compare to all 32 teams. There are some surprises. Washington fans, oof, not good. Tampa fans, oof, seven guys at 60 mil. 
Is that going to be a key to success? Now it is some of their best players. That's the advantage. But it's great stuff. Check it out, OrdersNation.com. If you're into all the numbers and you want to compare to see how the orders match up against the other 31 teams. Capwise, on behalf of Connor Halley, I'm Jason Greger. Have yourselves a wonderful Tuesday evening. Let's get to the comment and a Sports Center update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.